Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the local church, all my family at the 1030 on this chilly Sunday morning. To everyone online, I hope you have your heaters on or you got a blanket. This is not a day just to wear your boxers. You, you need some sweatpants on, everybody. All my family at Everglades Correctional. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this is the perfect place for imperfect people. And as an imperfect people, we're in this series called Release. Say release. release. Say it one more time. Release. I love that. Because this is our year of release, and, and in this series, what we're anticipating will happen is that we will fully understand what it means to follow this kind of Christian cliche of letting go and letting God, and letting God go and do all that he wants to do in our lives as we release to him. But the thing is, I don't want this to simply become just theological insight. I want us to practically live it out in our experience every single day. And so my goal is not for us just to, to go through God's word and to pen down a few points but for us to learn how to live it out. Not just to be hearers of God's word, but to be doers of that. And today, specifically, how we can learn to do God's word even when we don't feel like doing it. Now, it's a perfect place for imperfect people. Can I be transparent for a few moments? Okay, well, then I'll just take your permission. Thank you for that. Uh, for the rest of you, too bad. I'm going to get in your business by sharing mine. Listen, we believe that connection is important. It's one of our values here. Familia happens here. We believe that genuine community and connectedness, that's what God's created us for. And, and so I don't just believe that's a value for our church. I believe that should be a value for every Christ follower. But here's the reality. The past two years, because of COVID and all its variants, it's gotten really easy not to connect. Even for me, I used to be so intentional in taking time to connect with people, but now being at home and socially distancing and watching everything online, it's become very easy not to connect. And so my wife, she came up to me several months ago, around October. She's like, Eric, is connection important? I said, absolutely, of course it is. She said, then why aren't you doing it? I was like, what? What do you mean? I got pastors I talk to, pastors I submit to. I talk to my therapist. I have friends. She's like, no, 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 no. Why aren't you leading the way in that? Because our, our team needs to know that we don't just say it, we live it out. Our church needs to experience the power of connecting with, with one another. We need to set an example to our local community that being in community brings so much growth, brings so much truth, brings so much freedom in our lives when we get to experience genuine community. Why aren't we connecting intentionally? We have to lead. And my answer to her is something that maybe you've thought of, but maybe you've never really said I simply said to her, because I don't feel like doing it. <laughs> you ever felt that way? I don't feel like doing it. I want us to learn how to be doers even though we don't feel like it. And today, today we have the opportunity to connect in community. On your way out, you'll see a bunch of our connect group leaders and they'll have tables and they want to connect with you. But, but here's what I know. Even though I've said it multiple times, and I try not to say it every week because I don't want you to think I'm a terrible person. I love people. I don't like being around people. But every time I am around people, every time my wife forces me to participate in community, I'm better for it. 
I experience incredible joy and, and, and freedom and hope when the people of God come around and pray for me and I'm engaged in community. And so all of us, we have the opportunity to experience that blessing, to release our burdens to God today as we connect, but it's never gonna happen if you don't feel like doing it. So I want you to write this big idea down. Here's our first big idea for the day. And this is good. Write this down. It says, whenever there is divine involvement, there will be automatic improvement. Do you understand that? Wherever there's divine involvement, there will be automatic improvement. Where God is invited into, where God is involved, grows. If you invite him to heal your heart, your heart will grow. If you invite him into the relationship, the relationship can be restored. What we invite God into, what we give up to God, God releases upon us. This is why we release. This is why we give up to God so that God can do what only he can do in our lives. But, but here's the thing. Although it is God's intention always to grow us and to do good in our lives, oftentimes that isn't our automatic experience. And I want to share with you one simple reason why so many of us don't grow when God's goodness wants us to grow. And the reason is simply this. I don't feel like doing it. Turn to a few people, tell them, I don't feel like doing it. Some are like, I don't feel like telling them, I don't feel like doing it. I've titled today's teaching, I don't feel like doing it. Why don't we grow? Because some of us just don't feel like doing it. John chapter five, you can follow along on the screens or in your apps. Here's what it says, starting in verse one. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame and paralyzed. Some of your translations have verse four. Some of yours don't. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Verse five says, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. In this story, in John chapter five, we read a small portion of the story of a man who had a condition in his life for 38 years as we just read. Now, we don't know what his symptoms are. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what is wrong with him. It's because for many of us, as in perfect people, we tend to ignore what doesn't directly relate to us. And so we would think, well, this isn't for me, when reality, this is a story, even though we don't know his symptoms, that symbolizes us. In fact, this entire story that we read symbolizes what is happening actually right now. See, he said that Jesus, he walked into this place called Bethesda. Say that, say Bethesda. Bethesda. That's a synthesis of two words. It means house of grace. And to get to this house of grace, they need to go through this gate called the sheep gate. And once they enter into the sheep gate, there's a pool of water there that is protected and covered by these five colonnades. And the reason that Jesus paints this picture is not to help us get a picturesque moment of what he's about to do. He doesn't waste his words. This is so that we can understand that this symbolizes us today, actually right now. Because how many of us know that the church is a house of grace, right? It's a place where people 
should be able to come and experience the unmerited favor of God that they have not deserved because God is a God of grace. And the only way to experience that is to go through the one gate, the sheep gate, through the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And once we go through the one, the way, the truth, and the life, we get access to this pool of water which in the Bible represents the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all of this in the house of grace is supported by these five colonnades, which I believe represent the five pillars of ministry in Ephesians chapter 4 of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so this is the house of grace. And, and what's interesting is when Jesus, he walks into this house of grace, he experiences a whole bunch of people, imperfect people, with significant problems, Right? Verse three says, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. It said some people there were dealing with blindness. What this represents is people who don't have vision. People who don't and can't see God's preferred future for them, which is vision. They're living a visionless experience. And this is why next week we will have our Vision Sunday where, where I pray that I will be able to paint a picture of what we believe God wants to do in this church in our year of release in 2022. But the Bible says that some people in this house of grace lacked vision. And then it said some of them were lame. And this means that parts of their body were not fully operational. This is people who are not living to the full potential that God had placed in them. They're only serving him sort of when it's preferential for them, but not giving all of themselves as a living sacrifice to him. And then it says there are people who are paralyzed. And what this represents is people who they're in a situation where they see that time is moving, but they are stuck, right? We can be paralyzed in our thinking. We can be paralyzed in our emotional relationships. We can be paralyzed physically with our anxiety where everything is moving, but we seem to be in a place where we cannot move beyond this point. But regardless of what the illness was, what I want you to understand again is that all of this took place where? In Bethesda. In the house of grace. Just like today, a lot of this is happening. Blindness, lameness, and paralyzation is happening to the people of God inside the house of grace. And what, what led to this people experiencing that, them experiencing a, a degree of stagnation, was because they were holding on to superstition. Here's what I mean by that. I'll let you know that some of your translations have verse four in them. Some of yours don't. The version we read, the English Standard Version, is uh, the most up-to-date, accurate, word-for-word -word translation that there is. It doesn't mean that it's not good, but what it does mean is that the, the 12 earliest manuscripts of the, the known Bible that we have did not include verse four. It didn't go from three to five. You know, translators, they put verses in there. And then all the preceding translations after that, they had a little footnote saying that this was context given by the translator. So these people in this church, here's what happened. They were having a faith that, that was mixed with truth, but also a little bit of tradition 
that was passed down to them by people that they trusted. And so they were hearing a lot of good sayings, but not all of them were God sayings. Do you understand the difference? There's a lot of good sayings. Sayings like God helps those who help themselves. That's a good saying, but God never said that. In fact, God's word tells us in Mark and Luke that God sent his son Jesus for those who cannot help themselves. For those who realize I am sick and am in need of a savior. Sounds good, but God never said it. Or what about this one? To thine own self be true. That sounds good, right? You live out your own truth. But God never said that. God said, this is truth. And so many of us, we're living out our own truth and your truth is not my truth. And now there is no objective truth. And so we think that everyone is lying because no one can see eye to eye. Good sayings, but God never said that. Or what about this one? Listen to your hearts. Just listen to your, what your heart tells you, your heart, you should do that. I don't know about you. I've listened to my heart many times before and it's led to a lot of heartache. My heart wants that. That doesn't want me. Now my heart is broken or that broke my heart, right? The Bible says don't listen to your heart. It says listen to the Holy Spirit. Who can know the heart? The heart is selfish. It's wicked. There's all these good sayings, but they're not God sayings. And my point in sharing all of that is that there will be some superstitious people inside of the house of grace that are waiting for these waters to be stirred up because they believe this folktale that once a year, an angel would come and stir up the waters in this pool and the first one to fall into it would be healed. But the problem is nothing in the Bible dictates or shows us that an angel would ever do that. And so there's some of us today in the house of grace that can be waiting for the water to be stirred up by an angel when God never said he would do that. And the reason we keep on holding on to it is because we've heard it from other people, maybe good people, but we haven't heard it from God himself. See, I told you, I'm going to keep on coming back to this. We got to get in God's words. We hear from so many people, but are we listening to God's word itself? Are we, do, do we know his word? Have we read it? Have we understood it for ourselves from him? Because otherwise, if all we do is hear from other people, then our spirituality really is just superstition. And that's what's happening in this house of grace. They think, if we can just roll into the pool, we'll be made well, but God's word never said that. It's a superstitious belief that even let go and let God to people who don't hear from God's word, they believe it means I just do nothing and God will do everything. Sounds good, but it's not God because God's word says there can be no harvests without sowing. God's word says there is no growth if you don't get in his words. Your relationship will never be restored, never be restored until you do your part in repenting and seeking reconciliation. But too many people want the simple, let me just roll in the pool and I'll be healed. But I want you to understand there's hope in this. There's hope every single time we gather, every time we open up God's word. 
in this place where all these people have this paradigm in their thinking. The Bible says that Jesus showed up and he asked the question. Verse six, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there already a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Turn to the person you love and ask him that question. Now here and at home, turn to the person you don't love because you didn't turn to them first and ask them the same question. <laughs> Do you want to be healed? This is an important question that we need to answer before we move forward. Do I really want to be healed? Because I want you to understand this. Jesus can give you all the information you need to see the supernatural in your life. You can have all the faith to believe that God can do the miraculous and the impossible in your life. But if you don't feel like doing it, it's not gonna be done. We need to ask that question. Do I really want to be healed? I want you to write this big idea down. We need to be aware that our feelings, say feelings, that our feelings, not just our faith, help drive our decisions. It's not just our faith, it's, it's our feelings. Because I know far too many faith-filled Christians who are just staying stagnant, standing still, waiting for something miraculous, waiting for something marvelous to happen in their life, but they're not doing a single thing. And if you're just waiting for someone to roll you into a pool and everything is gonna be fixed, that's not a miracle, that's magic. That's name it and claim it. That's blab it and grab it. And this is something that we have to learn to release to God if we ever want to go somewhere. We have to understand it's not just our faith. It's our feelings. And so Jesus asks the question, do, do you really want to be healed? Because he wants to move these people and us today from this idea of if I just do this, I will be fixed to what decisions do I need to make so that my life is now fixed? Because he knows to improve our decisions, we have to take care and deal with what drives our decisions. And for far too many people in the house of grace, it's not the information in their mind. It's the emotions in their mind. Do you understand that? See, this, this whole release concept is very simple. It's very simple. Here it is. All, all five weeks of the series is simply this. When we let go of who we are to God, when we release all of who we are to God, God in turn releases all of his blessing, all of his life, all of his presence upon us. When God finds us to be faithful because we've released to him, he then releases upon us what we can handle. It's very simple. But the reality is, many of us aren't experiencing that because we don't feel like letting go. We don't feel like releasing to God what we need to let go of so we can go up. We hold on to it. We cling on to it. We, we, we grip it in our, in our kung fu death grip hands and say, I'm not letting go. Because we have all these questions. What happens if I let go? What if I let go and it doesn't work? And what ends up becoming our identity because of our experience is that we're lame, we're blind, and we're paralyzed. We don't have a vision for the future. We're not giving God all of who we are. And now we are stuck 
And so to deal with the decisions, we have to deal with the feelings. So for the rest of our time today, what I want to do is I want to talk about three feelings that we can learn to release to God today so we can experience the release of God upon our lives. Sounds good? I want to talk about three feelings. So the first one is this. I want you to lift up your hands in a posture of releasing, however that is, if it's this, if it's this, if it's just this, lift up your hands right now. Here's the first thing. Say this after me. Say, I release my anger from absence of assistance. Let's do it one more time. I release my anger from the absence of assistance. Jesus asked this man, do you want to be made well? This man answered in verse seven. He answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And he's telling the truth. One of the worst feelings that we can experience as humans is carrying something heavy upon our shoulders and having no one there to help us. You ever experienced that? You have a burden that that is overwhelming and you look around and there's no one there. And when we experience that, we get angry, don't we? Maybe not you, I, I get angry. Especially because I'm someone who lives my life to serve other people. And when I serve other people and there comes a time in my life where I need some help, I need someone to lift me up and I look around, there's no one there, I get angered. Can I vent for a few moments? Listen, I don't care, I'm just gonna vent anyway. I will never help anyone else move in my lifetime. Never. It's on camera. Never. Not yet. Never going to happen again. I will never help someone else move because I've done enough of it in my 20s, okay? I've moved way too many young families and pastors. And for some reason, Koreans always have big pianos. And so I've lifted countless numbers of grand pianos up three flights of stairs. Why? Why do you have a a piano in a one-bedroom apartment? Your kid doesn't even play it anyway. I've moved too many people too many times. I've carried tube televisions more than I can count. Some of you young people, you have no idea what a tube television is. When I say a 37-inch tube television, you're thinking, oh, that's tiny. We got a 75-inch in our house. You have no clue. A 37-inch tube television weighs the same amount as a 37-year-old man, right? And I'm done. I'm done. Oh, gosh, why, why do you have this? You should get a 24-inch. And I've helped so many people move out of the kindness of my own heart. I'm not bragging. It was really out of the kindness of my heart. The reason I know I did it out of the kindness of my heart is because I was never paid for it. (laughs) Young people, here's another note, okay? There's some learning in my ranting. Pizza is not payment. (laughs) Amen? Don't let someone pay you in pizza, young people. And don't you ever dare say, if you help me move, I'll buy you some pizza. We all love pizza. Pizza is good, but pizza and sauce is not going to help my sciatica and my knees now that I'm 40 for moving your grand pianos and and your your 37-inch tube TVs. So I'm not helping people move. Because when it came time for me to move, you know how many of those people showed up to help me move? None! Not a single one. I know that's a little bit comical, but the reality is some of you, you, you carry things heavier than that in your life. All by yourself when you shouldn't have had to. And that gets me angry for you. 
The fact that you had to carry a burden, you looked around and there was no one there who said, I'll be there for you. But I'm telling you, listen. If we want to see transformation, we have to learn to release that anger that comes from this lack of anyone coming to help us. We have to let go of it. See, this man, he's watching people who have what he wants, but he doesn't have himself. And I can just imagine his thinking, if, if I had their support, if I had their head start, if I had their network, if I had their opportunities, then I wouldn't be where I am today. If I only had their help. And too many of us were angry because we didn't have any assistance but if we continue to hold on to that fact that nobody was there to assist me, to help me, and we get angry about it, you're going to miss the miracle. I want you to hear this. You're going to miss the miracle that you made it here without their help. Here you are. They didn't help you, but you're still here. Why? Because he had him. He was with you every step of the way. We, we got to learn to release that anger. I didn't have the assistance. I don't have what they have, God. I didn't have that head start. I didn't have that community, but I have you. And so I let go of all that anger. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, we'll continue to be lame. Otherwise, we'll continue to play a victim. I don't have everything that I need. Yes, you do. His name is Jesus. You don't need them. You have him. And them coming along is just a bonus. And them happens in community. But you have him first. Amen? Amen. Second thing is this. Put up your hands in a symbol of a release. Say this. Say, I release my discouragement from disappointment. One more time. I release my discouragement. Just give it to him. From disappointment. We got to learn to let go of that. For 38 years, this man suffered in his health. I can't imagine what it must feel like to experience 38 years of not being fully functional. All the patterns that went on through his mind that were created because of all of this. But then he finds, he finds that there is a place where possibly he can experience freedom. And so now he has to balance this, this roller coaster ride of, of having hope that things could be better, but disappointment when they don't happen the way you anticipate. Does that ever happen to you? You have this picture in your mind that everything is going to be good. Like when we surrender our life to Jesus, we do a terrible job of talking about suffering in difficult situations as followers of Jesus. Everything is not automatically going to get better the moment you say, Jesus, I trust you. Your problems are not all going to go away. Your feelings are not always going to dis dissipate. You, you, you are going to be a new creation. You're going to have a home forever. But from here until eternity, it is a sanctification process. And some of us, we have these ideas in our head that everything is going to be great. And all my burdens are going to be gone. And I'm going to familiar. I finally want. And then you show up in church. Maybe you showed up in this church. And you're like, well, this isn't what I expected. I still have the difficulty. I still feel depressed sometimes. I haven't found the sisterhood that I was looking for. I haven't found the soulmate that I've been praying for. And now you've gone from this place of I have so much hope to now I'm, now I'm disappointed. 
And now I'm discouraged. And maybe you've gone to even where I've gone, where I've been so discouraged because I've been so let down that I don't even want to try anymore. What did this guy do? He continued to show up. Every year was his year. It's 2020. This is my year. All right, I'm going to be healed this year. Oh no, COVID, everyone's sick. I'm not being healed this year. 2021, this is my year. All right, this is the year that I'm going to be healed. And and no, I'm not healed. 2022, this is my year. 2022 goes. 2023 is my year. He kept on showing up. Satan wants to use discouragement in your life to keep you from coming back to where you need to be. When I surrendered my life to Jesus, I gave him all of who I was, like so many of you. I gave him all of my life. Did you guys read the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye by show of hands? None of you, good, don't read it, throw it away. I gave him my dating life. I said, I'm not, I'm not even gonna, gonna look at a pretty girl until, you know, I, I, it was stupid, it was dumb. It led me to my wife, but still it was dumb. I told her, I'm not kissing you till our wedding day because that's what the book told me to do. She's like, well, how do I know you love? Listen, it's just, there's young kids here. I'll shut up. But I gave him my dating life. I gave him my time. I gave him my car. I drove 326 miles every single Sunday, picking up kids from Florida City to Hialeah to Aventura to Davie, driving everywhere. All because I wanted to learn how to be a pastor underneath a pastor. But year after year, I'd be disappointed in these pastors. The posturing, the pride, the failings of their lives, the partiality that they paid attention to. I wasn't full Korean, so the pastor didn't pour into my life. I wasn't married, and so the pastor didn't pour into my life. I didn't have a seminary degree, so the pastor said, well, I'm going to focus on them. And for so many years, for eight years of my life, I thought that I would never learn what I needed to to be who I believed God wanted me to be, that I would never live to see the vision that I believed God had for my future in my life. And I was disappointed. But I kept showing up. And let me tell you, there were days where I didn't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't want to pick up these little Korean kids from all over South Florida. Your parent drives a Lexus. I got a hoopty. You take them to church. It's Saturday morning. I want to watch cartoons. I don't want to go to church and clean up. It's Sunday afternoon. All of my friends are at the heat game. Why am, I, why am I doing vacation Bible study? It's Wednesday, all right? It's TGIF. I want to watch Steve Urkel instead of praying. There's so many times where I didn't want to do it, but I kept on showing up. Could you imagine if he decided one day, I'm not going to show up. I'm done. I'm so discouraged. I'm not going. He would have missed this opportunity with Jesus, but I want you to hear this, Okay. Favor finds the faithful. When you are faithful to keep showing up, even if you don't feel like it, God sees that and God uses that to grow you. Look what happened in this guy's life. Verse eight, Jesus said to him, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his mat and walked. We got to learn to to release this to God. God, I may not be where I want to be. 
today, but I'm still here and you're still with me. See, some of you, I want to encourage you. It may not have been 38 years for you, but you have experienced some, some serious disappointment in your life. You got to learn to give that to God. But let me tell you what you're doing right. You're still here. You're still online. You're still doing your best to connect. Even when you don't feel like it, we got to learn to release that to God. Just like this man, when, when he gave that up to God, he found healing for his heart. Here's the third thing that I want us to learn to release today, the third and final, so that we can renew our minds and help direct our decisions. Put your hands up one final time and say this after me. Say, I release my misery, release my misery. from missed moments. From missed moments. One more time. I release, I release my misery from missed moments. See, for 38 years of you being an invalid, you being on your back, you miss a whole lot of opportunity in your life. What do you do with that? Let me tell you something. I don't get on Instagram as much as I used to anymore. If you've messaged me and I haven't messaged you back, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's because I'm trying to get off Instagram. And it's not because I'm holier than you and I don't deal with the affairs of this world. It's because it makes me miserable. And maybe not for the reason, okay? I, I vented sometimes saying all the filters, all the fakeness. Maybe that makes you miserable knowing that's not who you really are. The reason it makes me miserable, I'm more shallow than you guys. The reason it makes me miserable is because I see what you're doing and I wish I was doing it too. I have FOMO, all right? And even though I'm faithful to continue to show up week after week, what Satan will cleverly do sometimes is help me to focus more on what you're doing on a Sunday. Like, oh, you went to the Dolphins game. That's nice. I would have really liked to go to the Dolphins game, but you know, here I am preaching at church, three services. Okay, fine. Oh, wow, you went on a boat today? You, you were fishing? Oh, that, that seems really cool. I wish I could go on the boat. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you and say that there's no place I'd rather be on a Sunday morning than here. Now, most of the time, okay, that is true. I love being here. I love seeing your faces light up when the Spirit of God inspires you. I love worshiping together in this house of grace and there's freedom. I love, I love coming together with the familia of God and growing and loving and serving, but that's not every single week. Some weeks I don't feel like doing it. Some weeks I feel like doing that and that. And uh, can I just go on vacation? Can I go with you on your trip? Can I just be at home in my pajamas instead of showing up with all these people? Maybe for you, you know, because all of us, we experience this to some degree. Maybe for you, it's not, I'm missing out on it. Maybe you've done something that has brought you misery. Maybe you're saying, because I've done this, had I not gone that way, had I not said that, how I, had I not participated in that, I would not have missed that opportunity. I may not have missed that season or that window that God had opened up for me. And now, now you have a different type of misery. Now you feel like the prodigal son saying, I've just squandered everything that my heavenly father gave to me. I want you to know there's hope even in that. We have to learn to release that. Familia, we can't change our past, amen? amen? But we can change our patterns going forward. For 38 years, this man, his life on the surface seemed like a waste. 
He didn't do anything. He just laid there. And now he met Jesus and Jesus healed him and made him whole. And some of us, what we do with that opportunity is we waste it. With a new life, instead of focusing on the future, we fixate our mind on the past and all the missed opportunities. Oh, now I can walk again, but man, I, I couldn't walk five years ago when everyone went to that place. Oh, now I can go back home, but, but, but I missed all of those moments. My kid taking his first steps and my sister getting married because I was caught in my, my own struggles or maybe for you because of all the sin of my past. I missed out on so many opportunities. He could have wasted this new life that God had given to him. He could have ruminated on the past and wallowed in self-pity of all the things that he missed. But what he did instead was this. John 5, 9, it says, At once the man was healed and he took up his mat and walked. And I talked about this several years ago, but every single one of us, we have a mat in our lives, just like this man. And that mat, it represents all the misery of the past, all the shame of our past, all the secrets of our past. It was a thing that supported us for so long. He had a mat. We all have a mat. But now that he had been healed, he's carrying the thing. He's holding in his hands the thing that held him down, that kept him on his back. Because he realized that that mat didn't represent the missed opportunities. I want you to hear that. Too many of us, we think that our story, our past, it represents the moments that I should have done better. That I should have said sorry. That I should have went to that performance instead of getting drunk. That I should have said no to my boss so I could be there on that vacation with my family. That I should have been enjoying my siblings instead of inhaling all of the alcohol that I have. And we become ashamed of our past and we want to keep our past a secret. But this guy didn't see his mat as missed opportunities. This man, he saw his mat as, as a message of God's ministry that he could do going forward. He had a vision. He wasn't lame anymore. He wasn't paralyzed anymore. He wasn't blind anymore. He had a vision of what the future could be by carrying what held him down for so long. If you keep reading, the Bible tells us that, that he bumped into some Pharisees and they say, hey, listen, you, you can't be carrying that mat. It's the Sabbath. What you're doing is working. And none of that mattered to him. The religion, the passed down tradition didn't matter to him anymore. It wasn't superstition anymore. It was truth. It was salvation. It was healing. He says, I don't know about all of that stuff. I don't know about these traditions that you're talking about that I can't even carry a mat on the Sabbath day. All I know is this. I was sick, but now I'm healed. And then when he found out that it was Jesus who healed him, who took away his blindness, his lameness, his paralyzation, what does the Bible say he did? Verse 15, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. He doubled down. He said, I found out who healed me. It's a man that you hate. His name is Jesus. In fact, I need to tell everyone on this Sabbath that I've met a man who's healed me and made me whole. His name is Jesus. How does that apply to us today? Because I'm telling you, there's people in our workplaces. There's people in our schools, our jobs. There's people here in this church who are still laying on their mats who don't have a vision for what God can do in their life, 
who feel like because of every pattern that has been passed down to them by speaking words of discouragement that you're no good and you're a failure, that they can't be fully used by God. And they're laying in their mats, even here, wondering, will somebody help me? And this is why community is so important. Because for all of us who have, who have been made healed and whole from Jesus, we, we may have gone through something in our lives, but let me encourage you, it wasn't for nothing. And we don't have to waste it. We can give it away. We can carry that mat with confidence, saying this is what used to hold me down. This is what used to keep me paralyzed. This is what used to keep me blind. This is what used to keep me lame. This is what used to, to, to make me addicted but I've been set free by Jesus. And silver and gold I may not have. I may not be able to heal you of your infirmity. I may not be able to make the supernatural happen and call down angels to stir up things. I don't even know if that's true, but what I do know is I know what you're going through and I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna walk with you. That's what community is. That's what we get to experience. Some of you are saying, but I don't wanna do it. I just like coming. I just like watching online. I like being anonymous. I know God has done something in my life, but I just don't feel like doing it. I get it. And you'll never feel like doing it. You'll never get to the place where God can use even the mat of your past until you release it to God. Thank you for listening to The Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.